today are from Annie Dillard. We are here to abet creation and to witness it, to notice each other's beautiful face and complex nature so that creation need not play to an empty house. Welcome to the Preacher Girl Podcast. I'm Diane Wright. The talk today is entitled The Birthday of Serendipity, and it was originally shared January 28, 2007, at St. John's Unitarian Church. The children's story is called The Princes of Serendip, and it's a story from Sri Lanka. Once there were three princes. Their father sent them on long travels, not only because he wanted them to see other lands, but because he wanted them to learn how other people live. They met many people and they saw many things, but the most important thing the princes learned was to pay attention. They were paying attention one day down a long road, and here are some things they noticed. The grass on the right side of the road was shorter than the grass along the left side. Every now and then, there was a wet little clump of grass in the middle of the road. Bees buzzed along the right side of the road every now and then, and ants were busy along the left side of the road. They went further, and from behind them suddenly they heard a man on camelback coming up very quickly. He was upset, and he said, A camel of mine has been stolen. Have you seen it? The three princes smiled graciously and said, We've not seen it, but we believe it came this way before we did. The man asked how they knew a camel had come that way, and the princes asked him, Was the camel blind in its left eye? The man was amazed and said, Yes. They asked, Was the camel missing a tooth? The man was amazed and said, Yes, yes. Then they asked, Was the camel carrying a load of honey on the right side and milk on the left? And with that, the camel owner became enraged and accused the princes of stealing his camel. But then the princes explained to him how they had known about the camel. The grass on the right side of the road was shorter than the grass on the left. And every now and then there was a little wet clump of grass in the middle of the road, and bees buzzed along the right side, and ants were busy along the left. When the man found the camel further down the road, he apologized to the princes and invited them to be his guests for as long as they liked. Long after the time of the princes, someone heard that story and thought about the way that the princes were on a journey where they encountered many happy and interesting things they had not set out to find. So that person invented the word serendipity, and he invented it on January 28th, 1754. Today is the birthday of serendipity. There are two readings today. The first is from literary critic Leonard Bacon. Most of us are afraid of chance, happy or otherwise, and like to put it out of our nice airtight frame of things. We are not flattered by the thought that our successes are in large part due to it and we don't like to think of our failures at all. Nevertheless, chances in the air we breathe, it's an incalculable wind blowing from somewhere where nothing can be explained, often with a tang of irony in it which searches the marrow.
and the second reading from Unitarian minister Samuel McCord Crothers in 1912. Besides the ordinary Christian virtues, I would recommend to anyone who would fit himself to live happily as well as efficiently the cultivation of that auxiliary virtue or grace which Horace Walpole called serendipity. I am inclined to think that in a world such as this, where our hold on all good is precarious, a man should be on the lookout for dangers. Eternal vigilance is the price we pay for all that is worth having. But when he goes forward, his journey will be more pleasant if he also has a serendipitous mind. He will then, by a sort of accidental wisdom, discover that when he encounters, or what he encounters, is much less formidable than what he feared. Half of his enemies turn out to be friends in disguise, and half of the other half retire at his approach. After a while, such words as impracticable and impossible lose their absoluteness and become synonyms for the relatively difficult. today. There's so much in the world, we can only process a tiny fraction of the images, sounds, and sensations that come our way. And because of the way our brains work, we will tend to notice the things that confirm our existing opinions about the world. Serendipity is what happens when, in the course of looking for one good thing, we encounter another one. Notice that the experience of serendipity requires that you are on some kind of journey to begin with. The implication is that serendipity won't happen to those who are passive. Couch potatoes have less of a chance of experiencing serendipity than a person who is up and at them, but I believe the seeds of serendipity are flowing all around us all the time. It makes me think of an episode of the cartoon The Simpsons where the family is sitting at the kitchen table and they are worrying about money and the view pans backwards so the viewer can suddenly see into a cross-section of their home including the spaces between the walls and the floors and there in those spaces are piles of gold and jewels. This morning I'd like us to think about our own journeys as individuals and as a community. Where are we headed and what have we found by surprise on our journey? And I'd like us to consider whether there's a way to orient ourselves so that we catch the coincidences that are happening around us all the time. Think for a moment about your literal journey here today, whether you traveled two minutes or two hours. All of us sit right now, but we carried the threads of our lives from all kinds of different places here. Even each one of us who came from the same household brought a different inner story here this morning. And through the prism of our own life story, perhaps you noticed the sky on your way here, a favorite song on the radio, two children running and playing in a park, a squirrel crossing above you on a telephone wire. 
And now here we are. Take a moment and look around. Can you find one thing you haven't noticed before? Maybe you never noticed the markings in the floor. In our church, they align with the sun at the solstice. Maybe the hymnal you hold was given to the church in honor of someone you know. I'm an introvert and an overthinker, so it helps when I make a conscious choice to notice what's around me, but I've come to really appreciate the little things that jar me out of myself, that make me wake up and notice the world. Last weekend, on my way back from a meeting, I stopped at a drive-thru for a soda, and the car in front of me had a couple of those magnetic ribbons on the back, the ones that usually say, support our troops. I hope I won't offend anyone by sharing this, but I have to tell you, the ribbons said, support lap dancing and support strippers. Things that make you go, hmm. The woman driving the minivan had mirrored sunglasses and a camouflage do-rag on her head. I'm not sure what effect she hoped to have with those signs, but it caught me by surprise and it made me smile. It made me think about the movie Wings of Desire, where two angels in the city of Berlin, before the wall came down, meet to share notes about what they've seen. One of them shared the story of the subway conductor who arrived at the station and instead of announcing Marketplatz, he announced Tierra del Fuego. How many people on that subway train would not have noticed what the conductor said? How many of us are truly listening to our lives? We're certainly not encouraged to do so by our culture of distraction. I've been lucky enough to travel for work a few times a year for a couple of years now, and it means I've been spending some time in airports. I've been noticing the cell phone styles of the people all around me at the gate. About 20% of the people at any given airport gate will be on the phone fairly continuously. A certain percentage of those people will have those eerie hands-free phones, so you find yourself watching them because you think they could just be shouting to themselves until they touch their ear to adjust the earpiece, and you see they're actually talking on the phone, probably to another person. It's part of being an introvert that I find it astonishing just how much one person can say before getting input from the other person. Unless I'm talking here or doing some kind of presentation, I have trouble saying more than three sentences in a row before I want input from the other person. I count on extroverts since disclosure takes so much energy for me. I'm a listener, probably to a fault, but it's the listening that has led me to coincidence after coincidence. Rabbi David, Co David Cooper said, our work is not so much to find a teacher as to improve our own receptivity and sharpen our ability to hear the teachings all around us. My sisters like to tell the story about the trip that the three of us took to Colorado. A few years ago, the year before I turned 40, I made a decision that I needed to go back to Colorado to finish climbing a mountain I had attempted and failed to climb on a previous trip. I recruited my sisters as coaches to accompany me and as they will tell you, wherever we went, I shared my dream. And everywhere we went, people wanted to help us. 
I had opened myself to all kinds of support. The outdoor equipment store near the mountain loaned us equipment for free. Waitresses gave us extra pieces of pie. For me, the most remarkable serendipity happened on the mountain itself. My biggest fear, besides not making it again, was lightning. The day we set out for the summit was a beautiful day, but I knew better. I've seen the Discovery Channel. About halfway up the mountain, we came to a switchback on the trail and a woman was sitting there by herself, taking a break. She was also headed to the top, so we invited her to join us. A few hundred yards later, we asked what kind of work she did. I'm here to tell you we made the rest of the climb accompanied by our own meteorologist, and there was no lightning that day. I had told the world about my dream, and achieving it became easier, and lots of other goodies were thrown in like icing on the cake. So serendipity does not rescue us. It happens when we are already functioning well. When Louis Pasteur said, chance favors the prepared mind, I believe he meant that for us to notice the information around us that can move us forward, we must be secure and solid enough to be looking around. The writer Susie Holbeck wrote about a teacher who tore a map of the world to shreds and then, thinking it an impossible task, gave it to a student to put together. In about 10 minutes, the boy was back, the task completed. Astounded, the teacher asked him how he did it. The boy replied, when I turned the pieces over, I found a torn up man. I put him together, and when I looked at the other side, the world was whole again. So we must begin with ourselves, all the pieces of ourselves as we are. Recently, I watched the documentary called Little Dieter Needs to Fly, about Dieter Dengler, a German immigrant who wanted to be a pilot from the time he was two years old, watching the planes swoop down to drop bombs on his hometown in Germany. As a teenager, he apprenticed for the town blacksmith, who beat him without warning, day after day. He saved the 50 cents that he earned each week for three years, and at the age of 18, left home for the United States with nothing but the clothes on his back and the equivalent of 40 cents in his pocket. He became a pilot with the United States Navy and went to Vietnam, where he was shot down over enemy territory and held prisoner for six months. The horrors of his torture and the challenges involved in his eventual escape are haunting but I was especially struck by his resilience and persistence, and he escaped. After that, he returned to the United States and worked as a test pilot, and he continues to fly to this day. His story is one of those humbling stories that challenge all of us to consider what it is we're waiting for before we pursue our own dreams. His story also reminds us that we shape our own life I try to hold his story close and catch myself when I'm complaining about how messy the house is or my lack of me time. I imagine myself trying to tell those complaints to Dieter 
as he was making his way barefoot through the jungle toward Thailand, trying to elude the Viet Cong who were searching for him. I know there are forces at work that create barriers for many people, but I believe, especially here, especially now, we shape our own life. There is a Christian parable about a woman who wanted peace in the world, and peace in her heart, and all sorts of good things, but she was very frustrated. The world seemed to be falling apart. She would read the papers and get depressed. One day she decided to go shopping, and she went into a mall and picked a store at random. She walked in and was surprised to see Jesus behind the counter. She looked again and again at him, and finally got up her nerve and went up to him and said, Excuse me, are you Jesus? He replied, I am. And the woman asked if he worked there. No, he replied, I own the store. Oh, she said, what do you sell in here? Oh, just about anything. Anything, she asked. And he said, yes, anything you want. What do you want? She said, I don't know. Well, Jesus said, feel free, walk up and down the aisles, make a list, see what it is you want, and we'll see what we can do for you. She did just that. She walked up and down the aisles. There was peace on earth, no hunger or poverty, peace in families, no more drug abuse, harmony, clean air, careful use of resources. She wrote furiously. By the time she got back to the counter, she had a long list. Jesus took the list, skimmed through it, looked up at her and smiled. No problem, he said. Then he bent down behind the counter, picked out all sorts of things, stood up and laid out the packets. She asked, what are these? Jesus replied, seed packets. This is a catalog store. She said, you mean I don't get the finished product? No, he said, this is a place of dreams. You come and see what it looks like, and I give you the seeds. You plant the seeds. You go home and nurture them and help them grow, and someone else reaps the benefits. Oh, she said, and she left the store without buying anything. Do we have the strength and patience to understand ourselves as the gardeners who are tending the fields in which the future is being planted. The woman left that store without any packets, but she remains a gardener. She's simply ignoring the soil. We, all of us, are gardeners, whether we embrace the privilege of shaping the future or not. Rilke said, the future enters into us in order to transform itself in us long before it happens. How often do we stop to feel it within us, the future being transformed? When we stop and pay attention, serendipity cannot help but happen. Our own brains insist on imposing order and connection on that which comes across our path. It becomes both simple and highly complex at the same time. The pulse of life, the treasure of consciousness. Let us carry the threads of our lives back into the world, ready to pledge ourselves to understanding who we are and what in us is true. 
ready to tilt the prism of our perception so that it catches our home, catches our life in a new light. So may it be for all of us. Amen. tuning in to the Preacher Girl podcast. You can find more episodes at podbean.com or on iTunes. Special thanks to Stephen Grant Smith, sound engineer, whose music appears on this episode. You can find more of his music on amazon.com. This is Diane Wright. As always, feed your spirit, live in love. <laughs>